1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the
0: Two Guys Rides podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Appreciate your time, And Today it's all about fluid damper. Hell yeah. Harmonic balancer. What you know about a damper? Nothing. That's it's right. weird, man. It's got this outer housing, this inner nursery ring. It's got some silicone fluid in there. But what's really happening? You need people like Kevin who explain things like this, y'all. I'm telling you. So I always knew that that was just the part you had to have. <laughs> like whenever you're building a badass engine, I don't care. I, for me as a kid growing up, I'm like, look, man, I don't care to know harmonics and torsional vibrations. I just need to know what's gonna make my engine last, you know, at 7,500, 8,000 RPM, and that is a key component of it. Well, that's lesson number one. You
1: know you gotta have it. You don't gotta know why, you just know you gotta have it. Get it, put it on. But today, (laughs) today we are going behind the curtain, man. We are getting all science-y and stuff to figure out what the hell is that thing? What is it doing? why do I need one of those? And you know, there are differences, right? If you look at the one that's on a factory, right? It's got a big mass ring on the outside with this little rubbery thing in the middle that, you know, eventually see gets all cracked up and split and you kind of wonder how long is that thing going to last? And every now and then you'll see one flying through your radiator, you know, throwing parts (laughs) everywhere and your engine could potentially scatter. And for many people that's when they finally realize I needed that other thing, the good thing, the better right. one. <laughs> why didn't someone tell me earlier? Oh they did. Yeah, man. Oh, but why didn't they explain it better? So here we are right. to explain it better. We've got Ivan Snyder the third, man, because there's two other great Ivan Snyders and now we've got the third one here to help with, you know, the science, the mystery, the voodoo behind the harmonic damper, the T V D, the torsional vibration damper, whatever you want to call this piece of magic. The thing that holds our engine together this little thing on the front is what holds the the whole damn thing ever, <laughs> right. especially as we're making more and more power uh man we're gonna find out what is going on with this
0: it, yeah it really is an amazing little device that they have managed to you know stick down there on the crankshaft and it does miraculous things people i bet would just you know they're gonna get rocked by this podcast because they have no idea how crucial that thing is uh, you know, to maintain, you know, just the harmonics in your engine, just to be able to spin it uh, like we love, uh, grab those RPMs without things shaking and vibrating apart. It it, it does what how it works is. Is critical as you wind that engine up, and a lot of people. How many, how many times you've seen a, a, buddy's car and they've got something off, whether it's the pulley they mounted on there wrong or whatever they started. And you look down by the mounting bounce and it's wobbling and vibrating and doing things like whoa, whoa, whoa. You might want to look at this, man. Uh, yeah, I've seen a few of them before. You're like, ooh, that's not right most people think of it like it's just a pulley because it's got usually
1: the you know the old school v-groove or it's got the serpentine right. grooves in it to, to drive your right. belt but it's like no that's just what's going on on the outside it's attached to it right. yeah. a, you know they just kind of integrated that part with this piece of magic you know but i i think of it like uh i think most people of in history lessons somewhere in life have seen those big suspension bridges you know way back when and all of a sudden the wind got up to a certain speed and they start to sway and they start to sway more, like, you know, one of the probably the most famous ones, what, the Tacoma Narrows Bridge? What, was that, out in, like, Washington? Yeah, it vibrated apart. Yeah. Yeah. It vibrated apart. The wind was blowing at the right frequency, right? It kind of hit the natural frequency of the bridge. And we're talking about not huge hurricane winds. I don't know, 50, 60 miles an hour, I can't remember what they were at, but something that shouldn't blow a damn bridge off, you know, the face <laughs> of the earth, but but it caught the natural frequency of the bridge. And all of a sudden things start to spike, double, triple, you know, the loads from the actual, you know, wind, the actual impact to a crankshaft perhaps. And uh, like you said, the thing blew apart. We've all seen the videos, the dog running across, you know, trying to get off the cars falling in the water. Uh, So to me, I kind of frame it like, uh, that's what happens when you don't take care of Of vibrations and impacts, and think about the natural uh, frequency of whatever component. Uh, So, you know, if you think about the engine, man, it's got, you know, somewhere between maybe a thousand and on like performance diesel up to maybe 17,000 psi of pressure that goes bang on each cylinder every time. And if you hit a hammer on a crankshaft, you're gonna hear it go ding, right? It's gonna ring. Well, these are some pretty high forces, so you can imagine the strength that crank has to take to, to take those impacts. Now start magnifying those, uh, you know, as they align with natural frequency of the whole system. Whew. So with that, why don't we take a quick break and and dive a little bit deeper into this uh, and, and see if we can kind of piece it all together and what to do, what not to do, uh, you know, especially when you're making more and more power more and more performance it's like a bigger sledgehammer to the whole thing uh we want these engines to stay together so let's right, get some man. magic here in just a sec
0: all right our boy ivan snyder from fluid Denver joins us next on the two guys garage podcast with kevin bird and willie b It's the Two Guys Rise Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, and our boy Ivan Snyder the Third joins the podcast. Ivan, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it a ton. And today, you're going to teach all of us a little bit about what's so unique on the fluid damper side. A lot of people know dampeners, right? A lot of people, I think, have a small understanding about them, but what is it that got you hooked on, on this particular aspect of harmonics and frequency and just you know, having these engines survive in upwards of five, six, seven, eight thousand 8,000
2: RPM? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think people realize how important the component is and uh, what it'll actually do by, I mean, there's so many times that we see you can actually free up lost horsepower and torque. And when you start throwing those terms out there, people get excited. And, uh, yeah, just to be part of the science and uh, do what I do, work with our engineering team, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be doing it.
1: So when did they start using the damper? Because, you know, the original gas engines and diesels and whatever else running on coal powder, you name it, uh, back in, you know, 19, early 1900s and maybe predated a little bit. uh, Any idea when they figured out that they need this damper? Now, granted, those things were making like four horsepower, 30 horsepower. I mean, you get into 20s and stuff, It's like 48 horsepower, Uh, you know, but at some point they had enough oomph going on. That they started to break stuff, and somebody invented this idea of the damper. Any idea like where that kind of popped into into our world?
2: Yeah, great question. Actually, uh, Fluid Damper has a parent company, Vibrotech TVD, and they handle the uh, the diesel and the OEM side of the business. Vibrotech TVD actually invented the viscous damper. Uh, was formerly under the name Hudai Hudai Industries out of Buffalo, New York, and they invented the viscous damper. It was right around the time it was. Uh, in the 40s, when the the trucking industry was really starting to take off, so you're you're absolutely right. Uh, prior to that, uh, going back even your old Ford flathead you see today, they basically just spun a steel ring on the end of the crankshaft that had a V belt pulley attached to it. So um, yeah, 1946 heavy duty diesel engines. That's what drove the invention of the viscous damper and brought it to the market.
1: Wow. So so separating real quick the viscous damper from a I don't know, maybe traditional dirt, the cheaper, you know, the OE equivalent damper. uh, Kind of talked about in the beginning, it's just an outer mass with a a rubber piece kind of in between the inner hub and the outer ring. Uh, That's probably the one most people are familiar with that aren't into performance, right? Once you get into performance uh, or bigger applications, right, you start to get into fluid dampers. So maybe explain uh, a little bit of that base that people might be a little bit more familiar with, and we could kind of get into what the the fluid damper is, you know, doing the same thing, but how it does it differently, how it does it better.
0: I got, I got a suggestion. I got a suggestion, Ivan. Maybe you could go back one step further because the reason we have them is crankshaft towards no vibration, right? So every time, you know, when that cylinder fires, you can imagine what's going on, right? The piston captures all that energy, transfers it through the rod and it slams into the crank. Well, that causes a vibration to be sent through the crank. So why don't you explain a little bit about what that is and what you guys have done compared to the old ones in order to try to handle that. And I bet a lot of people don't quite understand how much vibration is actually occurring on that one piece of, you know, steel or billet or whatever it is. It's turning the, the, the rotating assembly there. So maybe break it down like that and, and sort of dive into it on what you got to do to
2: defend it. Sure. So, um, First, yeah, the, the rubber damper came uh, uh, shortly there, thereafter, and it was the mid-1980s uh, when professional race teams looked to fluid damper to bring the same technology from diesel engines to uh, gasoline performance engines. And that's when the uh, performance brand fluid damper was born, was about 1985 for uh, professional race teams. And uh, to go into a uh, little bit more, yeah, so every time every time the engine fires – it's causing that crankshaft to twist. And what it's doing is it's, it's turning the crankshaft, but it's actually twisting the crankshaft ahead of its natural rotation and rebounding back. And that's what sets up that torsional vibration that goes into the engine and that torsional vibration, it can be transmitted anywhere, uh, anywhere there's metal to metal components. Basically, we've seen everything from uh, a broken oil pump gears to uh, a timing, and we actually do dampers for drive lines. So these vibrations go all the way from the front of the crankshaft, back through, through the flywheel, into the transmission, into your drive line, And uh, yeah, they're very, very, very detrimental.
1: Well, if you think about it, right, it's, it's, like you said, it's this twist. You're, you're holding, you know, literally the crank is connected to the tires. So when you, you know, put a firing load on it, you're only going to get so much speed out of that tire and you're going to twist that front end of that crank or whichever cylinder is firing. And it's this back and forth rebounding. Well, you know, I think the engineer is pretty much designed for that, that, that initial firing, that initial rebound. Uh, but what happens right is you start to get into harmonics, you start to get into, uh, doubling and tripling of that particular load. So you're not really taking off the load of a cylinder firing. You're taking off, kind of the, how the system interacts and amplifies itself?
2: Yep, exactly. Um, so what you're trying to do is you're trying to reduce that crankshaft twist. And the dampers, whether it's a, a rubber damper, it's it's trying to reduce that crankshaft twist. So a damper's job is to absorb that, that twist, that energy, turn that energy to, into heat, and then dissipate it out through the damper. Well, with a rubber damper, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're limited to a, a a narrow bandwidth. Rubber can only, based on the durometer, the rubber can only be tuned for a certain frequency of harmonics, which is usually into a, a, a 10 to 15 hertz range. Now, it, there's an a, um, a, a aftermarket rubber damper out there will they use multiple rubber bands to tune for, for multiple frequencies, but you're still limited to that durometer of rubber. So the way a viscous damper works is it's got an internal inertia ring, an outer housing that's hermetically sealed, and then there's about a five to 10,000 inch of a gap between the outer housing and the inertia ring, and we pump a silicone gel fluid in there. And then as the crank is twisting and rebounding, that internal inertia ring is shearing through the silicone fluid, and that's what's absorbing that crankshaft. Well, with an internal inertia ring, it's working at all frequency ranges because that ring doesn't stop. It's continually shearing back and forth. So it's not limited like you find with a, a durometer of rubber. And it's able to work at multiple frequency ranges across the RPM.
1: Yeah, because you're going to get different spikes, right? Like if you think about the you know the, the twist and whatnot, there's a natural twist from the original load, but then you know, as you hit these natural frequencies, right, you're going to get different spikes through the RPM range.
2: That's exactly right. So there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. There's vibrations are are based off of, of frequencies and orders. So to, to kind of explain it quickly uh in a four-stroke engine the prime primary order is half the number of cylinders and that's only be- that's because half the cylinders fire during during one revolution of the crankshaft other orders that are set up uh are deviations from vibration oscillating through the crankshaft so as you move up through the rpm range the frequency the frequency of each order increases so if we take for example like a 427 inch cubic uh lsv8 it has a primary order of four four pistons firing against the crankshaft. so at 6500 rpms the torsional vibration is occurring at a frequency of 433 hertz 433 hertz. and the way that's calculated you're taking four the primary order times the times the rpm and then you divide that by 60 because uh hertz are or cycles per second
0: Nuh-uh. no 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 man I'm not doing math. You could pull that trick on somebody else. (laughs) I'm not doing it. man. Um, I I will tell you, if you don't have a have the correct damper damper on there, uh, what are you going to end up with? It's basically if you've ever built an engine and you put it together and and you, I don't know, put 100 miles on it and all all the bearings and crank journals are wore out. Then you probably need a you know a fluid damper because <laughs> that's what happens. It, it just that metal on metal contact; those vibrations will travel down and just chew your bearings up, chew your crank journals up. Uh, it just wreaks havoc on that entire rotating assembly, and everything is designed to to absorb those impacts and keep rotating. Right. Well, you,
1: you're a lot of guys that want to put billet gears. Uh, instead of maybe powder metal gears in their uh you know g rotor style oil pumps and things and and that's the torsionals that are banging back and forth that like you said can go from front to back of the whole driveline uh so it's a huge destructive thing now some of the things i've always heard with uh let's say the rubber style damper like you said typically with the durometer and maybe you have different bands in there uh you can kind of get uh different zones of effectiveness but uh I think over time, though, right? I mean, as they build up heat, rubber changes its durometer or stiffness. Uh, so you can kind of get like a flyaway condition, right? So uh, if you put too much heat, so you've got a lot of vibration going on, you're trying to absorb it. It's turning into heat, and then you're changing that that uh, heat and durometer in that rubber, and it can just kind of fall apart as far as properties go. So you can overtax even some of the nicer Say rubber style damper is that right
2: that 's exactly right so if the, if the rubber isn 't tuned properly for for where those orders that I was talking about, trying to not get too confusing there, where those orders happen if that rubber isn 't tuned properly it's causing that damper to want to overwork itself. And that's what causes that, that rubber to break down, crack, fall apart. And then worst case scenario, the the inertia ring separates from the mounting hub on the crankshaft and it grenades the front of the engine.
0: Not yeah, have you ever
1: seen one of these things come apart? <laughs> Willie? Oh
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, man. Several
1: times. <laughs> I spent a lot of time
0: at the drag strip and those things. Yeah. When they do, it's an ugly scenario. So I got a question for you. You know, let's, you keep talking about the rubber ring and, and you guys have moved to the, to that silicone sort of gel, what is that like compared to say, um, like a thick oil? What what is it? Is it is it slick? Is it sticky? Is it a, a lot thicker than like when you say silicone? For people out there listening, explain w- w- maybe the thickness of it or what that is doing inside this this damper.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Some people hear fluid damper. They think it's, it's filled with, with water. We've heard all kinds of things over the years on the tech line. But, yeah, it's a very, it's a very uh, thick fluid on, on average. And there's different uh, viscosities of silicone we use depending on the application. But on average, it's about 45,000 times thicker than a 30-weight motor oil. Okay. So it's almost like, it's almost like molasses. Okay. I mean, if you were wow. to see it pour out of a jug, it try to visualize it. Uh, molasses only thicker. I mean, it's, it's a very thick fluid.
0: Yeah. I'm from Kentucky. I went to something called the molasses festival, man. You, you broke it down perfect for me. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so other than, rem- other than giving us the, the, maybe the look and feel of maple syrup, uh, why, why is the silicon fluid kind of far superior?
2: So silicone fluid is very thermally stable. So, uh, it doesn't really change properties. So as the damper's doing its job, and again this is all a one piece hermetically sealed housing so there's no way this damper this type of damper can separate a, a viscous fluid damper it's it's all one piece there's no way the timing can slip and so back to the silicone it's it's very thermally stable therefore it doesn't break down like a rubber will break down we've uh we guarantee the dampers will never wear out in a performance application wow so uh, yeah they they just they don't go bad i i haven't seen one and i've been uh I've been building these, uh, building them and then uh, working on the sales side for over 20 years. And I've never seen one in a performance application where the silicone has gone bad.
1: Well, that says a lot right there because I've seen a lot of rubber dampers flying all over the track and on the street and through the front end of cars and, and whatnot. Now, is the, the silicone viscosity a bit more consistent than we think of other fluids as well? So it, it kind of stays in the right tuning range that you're designing for or yeah
2: that's correct that that, that's a part of that thermal stability where it doesn't break down it doesn't change thickness Um, In heavy duty diesel applications we've seen where trucks that are pounding over a a million miles that they will wear wear out and what happens is that silicone will start to to harden up a little bit and we recommend you know service in intervals depending on the engine application but, but again, a performance application, very thermally stable, and it will not wear out. It, it holds its viscosity very well.
0: Willie, really, man, you got any million-mile race cars in your... Yeah, yeah. There's a '69 Dodge Charger sitting right behind me with fluid damper on it, with
1: a million uh, miles on it's it. My street car. Is it all wore
0: out? Uh, not with a million miles, <laughs> but for a for a 542 that eats a lot of nitrous, it's got a hell of a lot of miles on it, man. And again, it is one of those parts I got on there. You know why? Cause I don't want to blow up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, let's take a break, man. We'll come back more fluid damper, more with our boy Ivan Snyder III, my man Kevin Bird, and Willie B on the Two Guys Garage podcast. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Byrd. I am Willie B. We have Ivan Snyder Third from Fluid Damper on. Uh, learned a lot about how a, how a damper works. And, you know, you've been able to break it down for us uh, in a lot of ways. What do you think is some of the biggest, most common mistakes people perceive out there about either A, a harmonic balancer, um, and what are some of those fail points that you see in these things, uh, compared to, say, a, a fluid damper, where... It really is um, one of those, uh, I guess, pieces and parts uh, that makes a huge impact on what your, your engine is doing battling all those frequencies and those vibrations or harmonics that really do occur despite the RPM range you're whipping it in.
2: That's a, that's a great question, and that the biggest mistake I probably uh, hear or see is lighter. Everyone always thinks lighter is better. Well, when it comes to controlling torsional vibration and crankshaft twist, that that weight really matters. Uh, Our competitors, uh, the the ones that are good, will tell you the same thing. You actually need to have the proper amount of mass on the end of that crankshaft to control the torsional vibration, or you're just going to end up, you're going to break parts uh, and and worse off, uh, catastrophic failure, crankshaft, broken crankshaft.
1: Well, if we go back to the bridge, right, the suspension bridge example, um, right, just from the wind blowing and getting into natural frequency and the thing kind of oscillating and amplitude getting bigger and coming apart. Uh, I remember seeing some kind of science shows in the past where they use just a big mass and a spring somewhere underneath the, you know, where you drive, uh, as basically a damper, right? I think all modern suspension bridges, uh, kind of have that kind of construction. They have some kind of a, spring mass damper underneath to uh, absorb that. And I, I think that's essentially what, what's happening here, right?
2: That's exactly right. So bridges, uh, we've, buildings have, have used different types of dampers. Um, we actually, uh, on, our, on our machine shop side, they're not uh, um, viscous dampers, but we make a component that goes to a damper that actually transports uh, military missiles. So they use dampers in all kinds of different applications for, for that exact reason. You certainly don't want a uh, bomb going off when you're transporting it somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, if somebody's got a, you know, a car, whatever, they've got an OE car um, and it comes with a rubber style damper on it. So what kind of things are they going to do to their vehicle, to their engine uh, that, that's going to start to push them into needing something more than what the stock damper is doing?
2: Um, Anything above normal stock engine. So the the OEM engineers, they designed that damper. I was talking about that narrow frequency range. They designed that damper for where the worst harmonics are going to occur on that stock engine. So that might be uh, 45 miles an hour at 3000 RPMs. And that's where that damper is designed. It's only can be limited to where those worst harmonics are going to occur. You start making any kind of uh, changes to your rotating assembly, uh, other performance power adders, whether it's uh, uh, intakes, nitrous, ex- even exhaust. We've seen the vibration frequency shift from that, that natural frequency as it's designed at the OEM. And again, I go back to it's causing that o- OEM damper to want to overwork itself in heat, and then the rubber fails prematurely, and that's where you get that uh, separation.
1: So basically, if, we, if you breathe on your car... In some fashion, uh, <laughs> you can't.
2: Ch- yeah, yeah, if you change, if you change it exactly, you got it. So, hey, Ivan, I, I, mean, I got a
0: question. I, I got a couple of buddies that sure. build in those engine master competitions and those those big challenges. Um, and one of the things I've read, both in Hot Rod and talking to a few of my my boys that try to do those challenges, is that one of the most difficult things in those challenges. Is the viscous damper sort of development where that's gone, where it's going, uh, and sort of fighting those harmonics and frequencies when they're really, really trying to milk all this power and performance out of these engines? Uh, is that something that's really pushed you guys on the on the development side? Just like where's the where's the end game? Where do they let go? Where is the limits in, on these things?
2: Absolutely. I mean, we're always looking to to you know further enhance the product. Uh, there's different there's uh um, different silicones we use different uh materials we can use on that inertia ring inside, whether it's a steel or a bronze i mean when you start dealing with some of the, some of these engines and uh most recently it's been been the, the the diesel engines what them guys have been doing it's just crazy where you think a five hundred horsepower truck you know ten years ago was was crazy and now you're seeing we're seeing two thousand three thousand Horsepower, yeah, diesel it's engines, it's, it's just nuts. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it really does drive us to, to build a better product and, and keep up with uh, all the changing demands.
0: That's one of the biggest things my my buddies who always do the engine master challenge and a few of these other ones always, that's one of the biggest fights they have as far as, you know, harmonics and frequencies and keeping them in check.
2: Yeah, they rob, they rob the engine of power. I mean, we've actually seen gains where, I mean, we're just talking normal four-cylinder euro cars where we take off the oem damper we put our damper on and we're seeing gains of 10 to 15 horsepower and these aren't even on built engines these are stock engines or mild performance engines 10 to 15 horsepower just by changing the damper that's how much power is being robbed uh through an inefficient damper through parasitic losses uh, stuff like that
1: wow so in your product line how much uh horsepower can you guys support at this point like who's out there making crazy power that you've got, uh, dampers on?
2: Well, I, I, again, back to the, the diesel side, I mean, we're working with all the top teams out there. You know, one, one of the ge- teams we're most proud of is a uh, Firepunk diesel and their engines are built by, by a, a company out of Ohio, D and J precision. They're, they're really, uh, setting the right, re- the, you know, setting the standard for others, uh, other guys like, uh, Sean Baca industrial injection out, out West, uh, same type of deal. And, uh, yeah, we enjoy working with them. And then on, a, you know, on the, the performance side, um, Corvette Racing, they came to us recently. They were, they were having problems with their, their 24-hour teams not being able to complete the races without burning out the rubber inside of the damper. So they came to us, and we, we worked close with uh, GM and, and the guys over at Corvette Racing, uh, a great, great group of guys, and uh, we were able to get them a damper that lasts. Uh, I, I, I'm not even sure if they're changing them at all during the season. So they're going from a damper that wouldn't last one race to a damper or, you know, a couple of dampers that are lasting their teams all season long.
0: So when you're fighting all those vibrations uh, running up and down the crankshaft, you know, for for people that may not understand exactly what's going on or, you know, caught a little bit of it earlier in our conversation, does that vibration not only travel down, you know, down that rod and to the shaft, but does it bounce back and forth? from the front to the end of the crankshaft? Do you find it that it travels throughout you know, the front and, and rear of the crankshaft as well, like bouncing back and forth? Yeah,
2: that's another great question. So there's three types of vibration. There's an unbalanced vibration, which is uh, an out-of-round condition, an unbalanced rotating assembly, some, something similar you'd think of with a, a tire weight not properly being balanced. Okay. So that's unbalanced vibration. Then there's axial vibration, which is is front to back vibration. And then there's torsional vibration, which is what the damper works with. So with unbalanced vibration, the only way you can fix that, and a lot of people get confused because the the common uh, um, term for a vibration damper is a harmonic balancer. They think that that's automatically gonna fix an out of balance condition, and it, it will not. The only thing that'll do that is a professional balance job on your rotating assembly. Axial vibration, where you get that front-to-back movement, the the way that that's uh, taken care of is with a a main uh, bearing support plate, thrust bearings, those are put into place to keep it from sliding front-to-back. Again, torsional vibration, now we're talking that that's the the twist of the crankshaft, and uh, that's where the damper comes in and and does its job.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah, now theoretically, right, you can design a crank. If you think about... uh... Right? And we've talked about it on the show, Willie. Really. You've got the main diameter and then there's a stroke. So you've got an offset for the pin diameter. And they overlap, right? And if you look at that shape, it's like a football. So you know, you put two circles and offset them. Uh, there's a football shape where the two intersect. So that is the strength of the crank, not, not the pins themselves. The so pins are big in diameter, but it's the connection between those two. That's kind of one of the weak links... a crankshaft is that little football area and you try to add some material around uh you know to 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 give it some strength but that's kind of the weak area so you could increase the strength of the crank by increasing both you know pin and main diameters and that overlap Uh, but now you're going to have a bigger heavier crank right if you think about your your pin diameter growing now your rod big end is growing it won't sweep around inside your crankcase anymore probably hit the bottom of your cylinder. Uh, and then the thing for us, right, is that larger diameter means higher friction from the bearings, right? Because you got higher surface speeds, so it's robbing horsepower. Uh, so OEs will go in and design a crank, kind of like he was mentioning earlier, design it for the you know, the specific intent, right? So here's the pin and main diameters, and here's the overlap to, to deal with you know, the cylinder pressure and the power that we're going to deliver. And what we do is we go and make more power right we go make more power and so that makes the crank twist more right because we've we've put more load in the crank than it was designed for and so it's it's mostly our fault that we go and take something that was uh, fairly well designed for its intent and we go push on it and that's why that twist gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the demand for dealing with those uh rebounds and twists and uh, amplitude growth, uh becomes even more and more important right to do something like a fluid damper on
0: Huh, interesting stuff. See, I hope everybody's taking notes.
1: <laughs> notes, where do I buy a fluid damper?
2: <laughs> Great question. <laughs> um, yeah, fluid dampers, yeah. yeah I mean, a simple, a simple Google search, of course. But yeah, any of the major uh, wholesale distributors in the automotive aftermarket, uh, you can certainly visit our site, uh, fluiddamper.com, and the where to buy section, and we have an a interactive map there. It'll take you uh, closest to home if need be. Uh, but, uh, any internet search, you'd be able to find, uh, where to buy them at.
0: So were you pretty surprised when you, when you first showed up at fluid damper and you realized how much sort of harmonics, vibration, all this stuff you were fighting, what a big player it is in, in the battle against that.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, you know, I've always, you know, like, like, uh, uh, many many guys. I I've enjoyed um, a muscle cars uh, uh, since I was a little kid, but uh, actually seeing the science behind everything that goes into it, and uh, you know, I started breaking out the math earlier, and you see all these calculations. What really goes into vibrations and and the effects on the engine? It's just uh, it's it's mind blowing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can imagine your first day. There's is it like a like a no shit day you know, just saying that a lot like no really
2: wow. whoa yeah what am i getting myself into here exactly that's pretty cool but uh it's yeah it's it's been fun you know and and uh, there's no better industry than the uh automotive aftermarket that's for sure it's fun
1: well it definitely is one of those parts that looks completely mundane and and not like it's doing anything you're like what's that what's that round thing doing there you know it looks innocent yeah, no doubt no doubt man it's like the bulletproof vest that the cop is wearing you know like meanwhile it's protecting it's your ass <laughs> um now you know getting online you guys have you know applications for all kinds of stuff do you do like custom stuff you know certain racers might have a configuration or anything like that uh, is that an option it
2: might be um the best thing to do is to, to contact our, our tech line uh 716-592-5000 uh for us to discuss it what we can do, what's, what's really nice, because I was talked about how the fluid damper works at all frequencies, so we're able a lot of times to take what we call our generic damper rings, and what we can do is we'll, uh, you know, we might mount a hub up, it'll fit on a big block Chevy, it'll fit on this application. We can s- remove that hub and make different hubs to fit different applications or easily modify existing dampers to make something from scratch. There's so much engineering and testing that, that's involved Um, it gets, it gets a little more expensive for a one-off damper, but there's a lot of times, like I said, we can, uh, we can make custom applications work. Cool. Cool.
1: Cool. All right, guys. Yeah. Check them out. Fluid damper, right? Fluid F L U I D. And then A M P R forget the E. AMPR fluiddamper.com, man. They got all kinds of goodies in there to protect your ass,
0: right? And Ivan, uh, tell everybody your social you got a social site where people can go check out.
2: Yeah, well, um, you know, fluid, fluid damper on Instagram. We, we, uh, we, get, we got a, a, a new guy on there. He, uh, he puts up a lot of posts all the time. So check out, uh, check us out, fluid damper on Instagram, Facebook page, of course. And then myself, Ivan Snyder the third, I'm on, uh, I'm on fluid damper and I get, uh, involved with a lot of the, uh, Uh, different uh, forum groups on on Facebook trying to answer questions when they come up regarding uh, crankshafts and harmonic balancers.
0: All right, my man, if you ever need a crash test dummy for Mopar fluid dampers,
2: I'm your Huckleberry. I'm just letting you know. All right, um, <laughs> we'll talk
0: about that. Uh, all right, man. Hey, don't forget about our show, Aaron Weekend's On The Motor Trend Network. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand, a great resource to find us. Thanks to our guests, Ivan Snyder Third from Fluid Emperor, my man Kevin and Willie B, our producer, Scoop, and executive producer, Bob Ecker.
1: Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, too, at twoguysgarage.com and share your thoughts. thoughts with us on social. We're everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at two guys Garage. Now, the Two Guys Garage podcast is a copyright 2020, Britain Productions Incorporated,
0: all rights reserved. Hey, you think they play good vibrations throughout the uh, warehouse all day, every they day? They better. They <laughs> better. <laughs> I've been known to sing in the office.
2: <laughs> oh, man, that's good stuff, dude.
1: Oh, I feel a little smarter, man. Yeah, I feel man. a little smarter. Like, Most the definitely. voodoo's kind of like haze is kind of drifting off a little bit i see some clarity
0: yeah here's here's your clarity go buy that y'all you're stupid if you don't yeah
2: <laughs> there you go man all right I oh, a, hey, so thanks cool. so much
0: man we appreciate it man you take care buddy talk to you soon hey you got all it
2: right. thank you guys take, take it easy and we'll see you
0: guys on the next two guys garage podcast you and your good vibrations thanks for joining us man see you guys two guys garage podcast is produced by
1: britain productions for more episodes Visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.